everybody. Welcome to All Elite Wrestling Unrestricted, the official podcast of AEW. I'm Aubrey Edwards. Hello. That's Tony. Tony Schiavone. Yes. You own if you're Chris Jericho. <laughs> uh, today, we have a really exciting guest. We've got Tony Khan, boss man, uh, CEO, president of All Elite Wrestling. He's also co-owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham FC. Uh, he is basically just a superhero who doesn't sleep. I don't know how you do it. Legitimately, that's my first question: Is when do you sleep? I mean, like uh, after like a dynamite and like you don't you know, sleep after dynamite. I've been after out with a you. dynamite on a Thursday, yeah, but then <laughs> on Thursdays, on Thursdays, sometimes we get a good chance to catch up on sleep a little bit in the off season. But during the off season, it's a little bit easier than it is during football season with the NFL. And then Fulham's football season is really a long season yeah. that goes from August through May. So, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of breaks, but I, I, I just try and sneak it in whatever I can, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in um, transit. Yeah, I'm not a good napper, uh, which is actually, <laughs> I think, a good reason I'm productive uh, because, like, when other people would be taking a nap, I'm like, I might as well just get as much done so that I can block off, you know, five, six, seven hours to sleep mm-hmm. at some point whenever I can find it. Yeah. But, yeah, I, you know, I, it's a lot easier because I enjoy the stuff I'm working on. You know how, like, mm-hmm. when you were, like, a kid, like, you'd stay up all night playing video games like a goofball. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, like, probably a decision you'd regret. Well, like, now when I stay up working on something for, like, wrestling or a stats project for the Jags, like, it's, like, that kind of fun thing, but yeah. I don't regret it afterwards. It's like, oh, that was a good decision as opposed to, like, Yeah, like, it's <laughs> satisfying. Yeah. Like, you like what you do, which is a pretty dope position to be in. Yeah, I really, I mean, uh, it's everything I'm associated with. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be able to work in, like, businesses I really enjoy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you too, right? Both of you guys, you get to do the things you love, too. And it's pretty great. Makes yeah. it great. Yeah. We get to do all the things we love for longer now, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, today was a big day. I was, uh, we've, by the time uh, this podcast is released, I don't think this will be fresh news it anymore. It won't be fresh news, but we're all very excited this morning. It was fresh news today. And right. We just made the announcement in the last half hour that AEW Dynamite has been extended for four more years. Four more years. Four more years. Oh, no. Wow. I, I do not want to. <laughs> not we're not going to do a no, whole we're not four more do years. That. No, we're okay. not going to do well, that. Well, four more years. But there are going to be four more years. And uh, there's going to be more from AEW. Uh, we're going to develop another show with our partners at Warner Media, uh, and I'm excited about Dynamite on TNT for a long time to come, and, and at least through 2023, and hopefully a long time after that. I'm super excited. Yeah, so needless to say, when Dynamite kicks off in October, until now, we're talking, it has been a success. I mean, we've had a great time. We've looked at it and say, well, hey, we're doing some good stuff, but mm-hmm. Warner Media feels the same way now. They're really excited about it. They've, yeah. They're thrilled with how the progress of the show. Um, they gave us a chance. They gave us an opportunity that wrestling fans have been waiting for somebody to get this kind of opportunity to bring a show back to TNT. There had really been a big void for many years in the wrestling business. And now I think today's like a great day because for wrestling fans, if they were wondering, uh, you know, it was like Kevin said to me, Kevin Riley, the president of TNT TBS, he was like, people really like your show. And to me, people... Uh, want to date you, but they're just not sure. Like, are you gonna? Are, is, is, this, is this guy gonna? Are they gonna be around? Are they, uh, and he's like, you know what? We're fine we with dating them, but do we bring them home to mom? Yeah, like. they're gonna show people these guys are reliable. They're gonna be here for four more years. You can bring these guys home to mom. You can invest. <laughs> yeah, you can invest. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I've told you afterward, like after shows and whatnot, I was like, I really like this job. Could you make it happen so I can be here for a very, very long time? So thank you for that. Well, My personal request yes. is fulfilled. We've yeah. done that. And that was, we were, we set out to do that. And we've, we've, uh, not, you know, for you and for everyone here, I mean, I was really happy 
for all of us. I was happy for myself and the executives, but I'm also I'm so happy for everybody that works here because uh, we have got awesome people from top to bottom, both oh, yeah. yourselves included. Oh, uh, yeah. You guys are no exception to that. And we have a lot of great people here. And it just the security because everybody's so happy and uh, that security, knowing we're going to be together for four more years. And this is all of a sudden a very successful business and yeah. not just a crazy wild gamble that I took anymore. Right. Right. So it's a big day there, too, uh, because, you know, to be honest, uh, we've spent tens of millions of dollars up until this point to get where we are. Right. And uh, it's a big gamble. And I don't think a lot of people would have had the cajones to do it off the bat. But to be fair, my dad, uh, you know, after I put together a business plan that I thought made good sense and we kind of fought tooth and nail through the holidays in 2018, (laughs) finally, he uh, finally he uh, gave me a shot at this. And uh, here we are about a year later. And uh, I think uh, it's officially a success. And uh, today's a huge day for not just for me, but for all of us here, and I know that for the family. Yeah, we're, we are like a family. We and sure it, are. It's yeah. a kind of. It sounds contrived, but like uh, it's, it's you, like a generic like. Oh yeah, we're all a family. Like people say it all the time, but like it's legit. This is one of the coolest locker rooms I've ever been in. I've heard that about like other places, and I've heard that about other businesses, and I've heard it used, and sometimes it doesn't always hold true. But I actually do feel like this is like a family. Like I, oh, yeah. I really like look forward to spending the time with all you guys, mm-hmm. and you know, putting shows together and then celebrating afterwards, and going over what we did well and what we could have done better and uh, spending uh, Wednesday nights and, and popping open a White Claw with you is something I look forward to. <laughs> Got to go with the lime. You mm, can yeah. have all the grapefruit. I'll a the White Claw is interesting. You'd say A. It's more than A. It's many White Claws. Yeah, several, many White Claws. Yeah, several, several White, White Claws. Claws. Let's talk about how this all started and how it <laughs> launched and you talked about fighting through the holidays with your dad about getting it done. When did you come up with the idea of AEW and let's go with this? When it wasn't it? exactly AEW to begin with. Actually, my first idea was something uh, first called World's Best Wrestling because I was trying to, which, you know, at the end of the day, it's a similar meaning to all the wrestling, trying mm-hmm. to say we're doing great wrestling, right? And uh, the idea of this was that um, I had approached Kevin Riley, my good friend. I, when I walked over to him, it was during a time period when, coincidentally, is today we just have inked our four-year you know, lucrative contract extension with TNT. At that point, there were WWE TV rights being bid out, and uh, they were bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars on TV rights. Yeah. And so as we looked at it, I was saying, okay, well, all of a sudden now – the economics of wrestling have flipped. And really, the TV show has become such an important... I mean, everyone who's watched wrestling knows that those TV shows are a huge part of it. But they're more important than ever before. All of a sudden, if you look at the economic pyramid of a wrestling company, the TV show is really the the prime dollar, mm-hmm. which, right. which hasn't always been the case. Right. Um, it used to be people used to look at TV as something you would use to pr- almost to pr- you know promote your live events and That's pay-per-views. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are not uh, the driving forces. Now, we've done well, and, and our pay-per-views have been successful, and Double or Nothing's the biggest pay-per-view anybody you know outside of WWE has done in decades, mm-hmm. not just since the end of WCW, but as Tony will tell you, the WCW pay-per-views at the end were not doing as well no, as ours. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's pretty great because we, you know, we came into a pay-per-view universe that people said was decimated and not, not a uh, true, uh, reliable revenue stream anymore. But for us, it's been a good revenue stream. But still, for us, by far, our biggest 
you know, economic driver now is, is TV. We invested huge resources into producing this TV show. And right off the bat, that's what I told Kevin. I was at a party in Beverly Hills. And I heard you were dressed as Macho Man. This is not the first. This is not that time. I was dressed as Macho Man. <laughs> the first time I met Kevin Riley, I was dressed as Macho Man. And the second time I met Kevin Riley, I was also dressed as Macho Man. Because <laughs> the first was two, it the same costume? Like, are you getting? It was like, the same. Good? It was the same one, but okay, it was a year apart. It was. It was a year apart. It's good. It's, uh, it's thrifty. I, yeah, uh, I really. <laughs> Something you want the boss to do is I gotta spend money responsibly. You know, uh, there's not a lot of money in the budget for Macho Man costumes. No, that's fine. Week. You just get uh, some streamers, man. That's all you need. <laughs> it was, it's actually a really good one. I'll, 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 uh, I'll show it to you guys. Maybe we can work it in. Uh, but it's on my Instagram. If people really want to see it that bad, they can just scroll. I think I've seen it before. Yeah, I've yeah. gone all the way to the bottom to yeah. find it. Anyway, Kevin Riley. So, never mind. But, uh, so, like, uh, so uh, in 2016, yeah, it was 2016, Halloween. I went to a party with uh, my friend Bernie Cahill. And, uh, you know, at the time, I'd never met Kevin Riley. And uh, that was who we ended up going to this, this Halloween party with. And I was dressed as Macho Man in the classic Slim Jim red and yellow outfit. Oh, yeah. And Kevin was uh, in, like, he dressed like one of the cheerleaders from SNL. Oh, my God. Craig, Craig and Ariana. <laughs> uh, so he was like Craig of Craig and Ariana, right? That's her name? Yeah, that, I think Craig so. And Ariana. I think that's it. So we had a, a nice time. And uh, Kevin hadn't spent a lot of time watching wrestling. Not a big wrestling fan, but I think everybody kind of knows the Macho Man. And it's not really about where your costume is. It's about getting to know, like, actual people. And I got to right, spend right. time with Kevin, and we had a great time. He's a great guy. And then the next time I saw him was a year later on Halloween again. And uh, again, I dressed in the same costume and I saw him again. He was in a different costume this time, like people are supposed to do at Halloween. But for me, it was just like the one day a year I got to wear that uh, and get away with it. So I was, uh, you know, with him and we had a, a nice talk. And that was the second time I met Kevin. The third time I met Kevin was the charm. We were at a party on, in, uh, on a Friday night. It was April 6th of 2018. And uh, Bernie had invited me out, and I don't know why it ended, I ended up going. I guess, you know, I just wanted to do something fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, we uh, went to this uh, party in a very large house, I guess a mansion, in Beverly Hills. And um, Kevin was there. And I didn't know a lot of people there, but I knew Kevin. And a light bulb kind of went off in my head that I wasn't sure that the TV rights that they were looking at bidding on were going to be a fit for them. And I wasn't sure they were going to be in the market at the end of the day for mm-hmm. wrestling TV shows like that were that were at the time, you know, out for bid, Raw and SmackDown. And uh, I had a pretty frank talk with them about the state of the industry and where the TV rights were heading and the history of TNT in the wrestling business. And, you know, Kevin being the president of TNT, I mean, TNT owned and operated at that point, the number one wrestling company in the world 20 years ago, before Kevin and I were having this conversation, because right. it was like April 6th of 90, of 98, right. 20 years earlier than, right. uh, you know, April 6th of 2018. So technically on April 6th of 20, I was April 6th of uh, 1998, you could say uh, WCW was still the number one sure. wrestling company in the mm-hmm. world. They, by, by, they were hanging on. They were, <laughs> they were barely on. hanging on. You were Jeez barely hanging on. Yeah. We were, uh, the slope had not started yet, but it was close. We it was getting out. tight. Yes, it was, it was. She was starting to get tight, and yes, I think that was. was right around... The time they won their first, they didn't win the night, but I think the first time they'd won an hour in a long time was mm-hmm. when Sean Waltman showed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The night for WrestleMania. It was right around then. So I said to Kevin, you know, 20 years ago, 
the company that you operate owned and operated uh, the number one wrestling company in the world. And, you know, if you think about it, really, in those 20 years, nobody stepped up to fill the void of your guy's former company. There's a great opportunity. There are tons of talented people that are going to be available next year. We oh, could yeah. really look at doing something together here. And Kevin did not blow it off immediately. He was like, that's kind of interesting, man. And not like committing to talk. Like, you know, maybe we could have another conversation about this at some point. So I immediately went back to the bar and grabbed Bernie. And I was like, all right, man, I think I got something going here. And Bernie, I don't think Bernie understood like how he was like, oh, it's interesting. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah. But I really started to develop the idea in my head and then uh, started to really go out and put together a list of like, mm -hmm. okay, well, who would you want to work with? And who are the people that are going to be available next year that you could put a viable wrestling right. company with together in terms of headliners and people that could work with you on it? And a lot of those people are here now. And uh, did you kind of mention like some contracts are running up and some people are going to be available? And it was like obvious that you know Bucks, Cody, Kenny, their contracts were all running up at the end of 2018. Yep. So yep. Was were they like the first people in your mind? They were the first people in my mind. Uh, those guys, the, everyone you just named, uh, Chris Jericho right. and CM Punk. Mm -hmm. And Chris had said he wasn't going to wrestle in America uh, for anybody but WWE ever. Mm -hmm. But then he had done the New Japan shows and even though he, when he did those he said that was still just in Japan. It made me think that maybe that Chris might be interested in working. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started having conversations uh, with Barry Bloom who represents Chris and uh, Jim. Oh yeah, and, I, met uh, Barry. I met Barry. He's yeah, a cool mm -hmm. dude. Yeah. And uh, he's represented a lot of people in the wrestling business. I'm sure yeah. Tony's known Barry for 30 years. Many, many years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, Kevin and I had a follow up lunch with Bernie and I would say early summer. I know it was early summer because Fulham had just gotten promoted at Wembley. So it was probably June of 2018 then was the second conversation we had about this. And I had just brought all the Fulham players to America. So we was, I was in L.A. because I had just come back from London with the Fulham team, and they were celebrating their, the promotion game at Wembley. And uh, the, the players had just left, and then right after the guys got back on their planes flying home, I had stayed and had this conversation with Kevin. And basically, he gave me a chance to go to square one. And like anybody else would, he put me on the ground floor, which is a great a way to get my foot in the door. He put me on the ground floor with their finance, marketing, legal, and everybody they had in terms of development to see if this was like a credible idea. Mm -hmm. And basically, I had very few conversations with Kevin about this over the next several months. And really, like he had a great team of people mm -hmm. at uh, Warner Media and TNT that he wanted to vet this idea because, mm -hmm. you know, it sounded interesting to him. But I think he wanted to have every it's a really, really large and uh, really, really efficient operation. I think he wanted all of his vice presidents and all of his directors to have a good chance to like vet this and see if this makes sense, if this is a good idea. Mm -hmm. So uh, we talked for months and months and months and uh, into the winter. And, uh, you know, it became clear to me as I got deeper and deeper into this that no matter what, I'm going to do it. There, there were so many people that I wanted to work with that were going to be available. And the key thing was going to be the TV partnership and uh, making that happen. Mm -hmm. And none of that was certain that it was going to happen, really, until we really got over the hump. I think uh, I really needed to prove to our partners that we could put together all the things we said we could, that we could assemble the roster. And I, that's a risk I had to take. It's, right. uh, you know, it's frankly tens of millions. Uh, by the time we got done putting everything together, the commitments we made are millions and millions of dollars, mm -hmm. ten, tens of millions of dollars. Right. And that's the money we've spent to get to this point. Uh, and now, 
you know, we're at a point where not only with this four-year extension we've signed, like not only is there light at the end of the tunnel, but like we're pretty much near the end of the tunnel. Now we're like about to go into the light. Like, yeah, yeah. So right. like we're pretty much at like, which is pretty unthinkable when you look at our financial statements over the past to say that like what we've, what we've just done here with this deal we've made, people would have thought it was a, a pretty crazy gamble to spend the money I spent on a wrestling company uh, without all the assurances that I now have through this deal. Right. But I'm really thankful that uh, we had this opportunity and uh, really what TNT gave me a chance to do is bet on myself and bet on our team that we could make this successful and uh, that, you know, if we made these commitments and went out and, you know, signed Chris Jericho, signed Cody, signed the Young Bucks, signed Kenny Omega, bring in JR and put together a viable business plan that they would want to work with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that all came together. And uh, the gamble I also took was if I go out and do all those things that they're going to still pick this up and I'm right. not going to be left holding the bag. Right. And that's trust. And uh, I have a lot of uh, faith in them. And I, I think Kevin's a super competent executive. And I knew that they wouldn't have had the literally dozens and dozens and dozens of phone calls and meetings that they had with me across Atlanta and New York and L.A. Uh, and all the conference calls we did, you know, even over the holidays and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just knew that they wouldn't have shown that kind of interest and committed their own time if they weren't interested in making a commitment. But like I said, it was a big gamble. Big gamble. Commitment was made. And next we're going to talk about the development of AEW's Dynamite on TNT as we continue on our podcast, AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. We're talking with Tony Khan. We talked about the development of Dynamite on TNT. And now, Tony, you're hands-on. You're you're behind the scenes. Something you always wanted to do, right? I mean, you're at the gorilla position. You you kind of run things. You're a hands-on owner. I mean, this is what you envisioned you wanted to do when you had a wrestling company, right? Yeah, I think so. It is. It you is write absolutely. the shows. I mean, we were as a group. Yeah, I mean, I. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm that the head of a creative committee and right. uh, and and the matchmaker, effectively. Uh, and yeah, something I always did want to do. It's a lifelong dream come true. But also, like to surround myself with like so many great minds to mm-hmm. work with, where you've got the greatest staff. I think we could we could have put together. With, you know, our production meeting. I always say it's like a standing room only production mm-hmm. meeting. It is. It's very large. There's <laughs> quite a few. And when you look around, it can be very intimidating when you look at all the great minds in the history of wrestling, and yeah. not just the people that are you know the more prominent executives like you know with Cody and the Bucks and Kenny, but we got Jr. and and then look at uh, people that wrestle for us, but also coach like mm-hmm. Dustin Rhodes and, and Christopher Daniels and, and their experience in the business. And then some great retired wrestlers. Dean over, Malenko. Dean Malenko. Malenko yeah. Jerry Lynn. Yeah. Right. Uh, they have great minds for the business. And we have so many great people. And then, you know, Chris Jericho comes in and, and uh, who's got more experience in different companies and different countries mm-hmm. and, and has reinvented themselves and worked through different eras mm-hmm. and worked with so many different people. So we have the benefit of all that experience that, are, you know, and try to use those resources. Sure. And that's why we all meet together and work together and try to come up with ideas together that we all agree make sense. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, sitting at the head of that collaborative process is is a dream for me. And, yeah, I am. I'm pretty uh, hands on. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why somebody would want to take over a business and right. then put it in other people's hands. Sure. I don't that, you know, when we started this to me. I didn't do it so that I could do this job I always wanted to do, even though that's sure like a fun working with you, both of you mm-hmm. and uh, working with all the great people we have, trying to come up with ideas for matches, for stories, for finishes, things that make sense, ways to present the wrestling, you know, trying to do things that are different than people have mm-hmm. done, like presenting the rankings. You know, these are all things that like 
it's like a dream come true to me, but that's not why we made this investment of, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars in, in this past year and why in 2019, you know, why we uh, were very, 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 very far in the red as a, as a strategic investment. We did this not so I could do this job I've always wanted to do for fun, but because I believe that like if we ran this business and it's part of the business plan, that we had a really good chance to do exactly what we've just done, to get a renewal from mm-hmm. TNT, to, to stay on uh, this great channel, to bring wrestling fans weekly TV and not like the kind of weekly TV that other companies have been offering, like taping in theme parks and taping, you know, four shows, five shows at mm-hmm. once. And then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, by you get to week three, week four, things aren't fresh anymore. Like the idea of taping TV three, four weeks in advance, mm-hmm. I just, I did not sit well with me and it's not something I wanted to do, mm-hmm. which is why we bear the great expense we do every week of going like we are this week and going to a different city almost every week and presenting, you know, almost always live shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's something that had been missing from the wrestling business. And when you look back, I mean, Tony, you, you, you were there when the most successful kind of new startup show of the mid to late 90s, Nitro started to air. And I think a big key element uh, was that you guys went to different cities and that you were live and that you had the state of the art production values. I right. mean, Dynamite looks a hell of a lot better in terms of being HD and, uh, right. and mm-hmm. all the things we can do now with the technology versus uh, what, you know, SD Nitro looked like. Mm-hmm. But definitely for, for you know, the, the late 90s, I mean, Nitro was, was a state of the art cutting edge show. And I felt like uh, for us, if if somebody were to go do that, were to make those investments in the quality and show people that, you know, they care about mm-hmm. the show and that they're going to invest and that we're a big company when nobody's, you know, it's not like we're going to get bullied out of the wrestling business because we're a big company. It's not like company. we're indies and people can just come up and like work ring crew. It's like, no, we're, we're the big guys. And then, you know, what's cool about it is like, we're, we're, at, we're definitely not indie. We're no, no, not, not at all. Not at all. But I love the indies and we try well, to do. Well, it's got like a very indie vibe, right? Like it's, it's definitely, and it's hard to say like for people who aren't in the business, like the difference between like professional and indie, but it's literally like it feels like a startup. Yeah. It feels very much like scrappy and we're just doing what we can every day to try and make the company better, make the product better. But I, as you said, there's a lot of money behind this. Sure. I mean, you've worked, uh, you know, in your in uh, your past life uh, past in life. development, like, you know, you're familiar with these startups and, uh, you know, whether it's Silicon Valley or the wrestling business. It's all the same. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think people realize, like, how easy the jump was from video game development to wrestling. It's like, oh, yeah, no, there, there's a lot of things that are very, very similar here. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, and, and so we, we do have that kind of startup feel, but um, I try to keep it, like, when you see these uh, these startups where they spend so much of their, of their thinking trying to... Uh, keep it really collaborative and find ways to get people mm-hmm. to enjoy working together and make it like a fun place to work. We yeah. tried to do that. Like this is the most fun place I've ever worked. And I feel like if we just keep it that way that, you know, people are going to want to come here and people are going to want to watch the shows. They see how much fun we have putting them on. And I think we have a lot of interest. I believe that over the next several years, especially now that we have this commitment that we're mm-hmm. going to be on TNT uh, with Dynamite for another four years and, and hopefully a long time after that, I think you'll see a lot of wrestlers and a lot of people in the wrestling business are going to want to come to AEW because they've heard about what we're doing and they've heard what a great environment mm-hmm. this is to be in. Um, I mean, just simple things like all of us go and hang out after a show on Wednesday. Yeah. Like, it's not like we have our little clicks and we just do whatever. It's like, no, like legit, we find wherever the hotel that Tony's hanging out at. 
and then we all go there and like yeah. i'm just having conversations with you know people who have been doing this like 10 20 years like like it's nothing because we're all just co-workers it's a great and sitting there after the, the post show getting some drinks and talking about you know what like i said what things that went really well things mm-hmm. that didn't go well and what we could do better and what mm-hmm. we should do going forward I think we've all learned a lot from it. And, and what's crazy is, I mean, we're committed to doing this for four more years. You know, we've only done 14 of these shows. I think yeah. by the time this airs, we will have done some more. But, you know, through 14 shows, I think we've learned a lot. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a steep learning curve. And we have a lot of guys on the roster who have never done, like, I never did live TV before this. Weekly so, live TV. Weekly live right. TV on top of that. So it's it's absolutely crazy. And the amount of knowledge that our entire roster has gained is <laughs> just insane. Think about it. Yeah, and and so I, we, what Tony asked about being like hands on. Yeah, I am really hands on. But I, but I, uh, you know, I think it's been good. Uh, you know, I've uh, I do I time the shows, and you're I think- literally in the refs' ears. Like I don't think people realize that. Like I, I talked to a bunch of my friends who like are, are know you through football. And they just assume like you sit in an office and write checks and like like that's the thing about being an owner in any business. And actually, right. I'm not like that in any of the businesses. Now, no. I don't run the da- the day to day of the Jaguars, but I did create like an analytics department that ha- you know that has work product and presents information and and tries to contribute. Right. And I'm not just like sitting back and watching people do stuff. And uh, here you're literally telling us like five minutes left, buddy. Five minutes left. And you call yeah. everybody buddy, and that's like my favorite. I thing. actually don't call everybody buddy. I call you, call you buddy. me buddy. I call you buddy. But, uh, <laughs> I call Bryce Bryce and I yell at Bryce a lot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, but I love him. So uh, and same for Rick. I'll yell at Rick too. But I love him. Uh, and uh, so uh, yeah, I, you know, obviously talking to the referees and, and Justin about the timing and mm-hmm. and with Jr. and Excalibur, you know, You're and, the Tony, guys, and Tony. Like- I mean, Tony can tell you like. You've worked different places, and you worked for me, and you've worked for Vince McMahon. Yes. And I am not in your ear as much. No. And I am in your ear sometimes, but when I am in your ear, I try not to do it when you're talking. Because right. I don't really understand when you're ta- – like, if Jim and Excalibur are talking, that seems to me like the best time to talk to you. Right. Mm-hmm. If you and Jim are talking, it seems like the best time to talk to Excalibur. Right. right. Like, and when Jim, like, definitely, I would. When Jim's talking, I don't really understand. Like, I can't really imagine talking to Jim when he's talking. It's like, let right. Jim do what he does. But like, I've he's Jim that, Ross. <laughs> I've heard that's what they do. I don't really understand why they do that. But yeah, it's a great uh, position to be in, and uh, you know, working on this stuff. I think uh, we've also been able to do like some forward planning and do some stuff that you know, develop young wrestlers, and uh, you know, having a forward-thinking mindset, knowing that we were not planning for the short term, trying to hot shot book, but like, hey, you know, we're looking years ahead. Mm -hmm. We'll look at how, you know, Max, MJF, from the beginning has has been treated here. Like, you could tell he was somebody we really believed in Mm -hmm. we were going to put in a special position. I mean, it's funny because uh, he's, you know, he's now, we did a contract extension with him through the summer, and now we signed him through 2024. So he'll be here through through this. crap. Yeah, I know. You're stuck with Mac. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, But but he's done... uh, a great job, whether people like him or not, or like what he says. People He's very are, good at what he does. People are very compelled. very good at what he does. And for such a young person, uh, people don't probably understand. I don't know anybody uh, his age who has a greater appreciation of the history of the wrestling business. Oh yeah, learning from oh yeah everybody who's done it and learning what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know, have had the benefit of. Uh, knowing that this company has a lot of runway mm-hmm. and we can do things forward thinking things like that and i you know i try to keep my eye to the future like that but um yeah it's really like working in the the booking meetings and then working on uh the roster and and bringing new people in and and trying to get people to stay and extend mm-hmm. them has 
really been uh, one of my favorite things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Right. The company is different in that there is not a main office for this company. There's not a main production facility for this company. The Bucks live in California. You're based out of Florida or Chicago, and you're Atlanta. I'm and Atlanta, Seattle. and Cody's in Atlanta. And I don't, I don't know if Kenny's always in Japan or where he is. Yeah, but yeah. Kenny's in Florida now. Florida. Okay, yeah. so it's just it, but it's it's still, and we got production in in Nashville with mm-hmm. Kevin, and yeah. production in Atlanta with Comeback Studios. So it's a very uh, spread out company, but it, it seems to work very well. It's, yeah, I mean we. We all we all assemble on the phone every right. week and you know early in the week and, and talk and then you know the next day we all travel and then we all get together we you know production meeting and it's really for a quality of life I think everybody seems very happy with it it's I think great it's a really fun thing we do yeah it and, is. and it's nice having weekends again you know the other the other thing <laughs> I haven't talked about, yeah right right the other thing I haven't Go uh, gotten into is and like I don't know I mean you I'm not trying to put you guys on the spot and I'm not even just referring to you guys because I think both, both of you guys do well uh financially but I mm-hmm. think there are a lot of people from all across positions at every level of the company. And I think we pay well. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yep. I've always thought we, I would take really good care of people. And I take a lot of pride in taking care of people and providing for people because there's other wrestling companies that try to lock people down to contracts where, you know, they work for a hundred bucks a night, 200 right. insane stuff. And the reason I bring this up is now with the security of uh, this extension through 2023, as much as anything, I'm just so happy for like everybody here that yes. they know like this is going to last. Like because everybody, I can literally me. plan my future with my husband because I know where I'm going to be. Like and that was never the case in software. I was like, oh, I could get laid off tomorrow. Like, yeah, <laughs> I have more job security in wrestling than I do in well, software. You're, you're what doing the hell? Great so far, you're doing Thanks. great here so Thanks, far. Boss. So, yeah. Thanks, boss. <laughs> you know, through years in wrestling, though, though Tony and I'm, I'm talking about back in 70s, 80s, it was always the boys really weren't taken care of. They never had insurance back in the days. They always traveled 800 miles, a round trip, and would work for a payoff, and they didn't like the payoff. And it was always seen The fact be, they don't have to drive from city to city. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, it's nice. It, this has completely changed the business. Oh, my God. Yeah, it really has. It's a business model. People right. told me they thought was crazy and wouldn't work. The idea of bringing everyone in for weekly TV and, mm-hmm. and not having everybody in one place and and paying people really well. And people thought that the amount I pay per date effectively, because we don't do house shows, they thought it was nuts, mm-hmm. like that you'd pay somebody that per date. But yeah, it's, I think we've proven now that, you know, we've put this deal together that that is a viable structure that we don't need to wrestle five, six nights a week that, you know, we can get together and put together a great Wednesday night dynamite and get some great content. We can, and we're going to be developing more shows and more content, but I also don't want to oversaturate. I think, uh, there's a sweet spot. And so I'm never going to try to produce so many shows that, uh, you know, you can't keep track of what we're doing to me, like a two hour dynamite. And now the new one hour show we're going to develop mm-hmm. is a perfect amount of TV. If you want more content, we're going to put things on YouTube. We'll put right. things on We Are Live. But really, I think a two hour television show and then an additional one hour television show as a complimentary mm-hmm. show, uh, I think is going to be really strong. And that's another part of the announcement we haven't really gotten into today is the, yes. the development of a third hour of television. that's also going to be huge for us and uh, allow a lot of our young roster more exposure and more chances to work on television because as we know in a two-hour dynamite you, you can only to, fit so much in and you don't want to try and fit too much in and it's honestly like in the 14 shows we've done i think it's a lesson at times we've learned that like the best shows we've done have been the shows uh, in my opinion where we let things breathe and everything had a chance the what? one a big show for us was that jacksonville show we did oh, on dude. new year's day which dude. really turned the tide and honestly best show of the year 
It was it was one of the best shows we've done, and <laughs> we started talking this four year contract extension right after that show. Right, and it was a big show. I mean, it was like when a football player plays a game, and then the owner brings you in the next day, and it's like, look, it's not because of this one great game you had that you're getting this contract, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a body of work. But that's the game that put me over the top, and I mm-hmm. do think the show we did in Jacksonville on January first was the show that put us over the top to get this four year deal. So, you know, and working working on these things. Uh, has been a, a privilege for me, like scouting out the next young group of guys. And a bunch of these guys, I made promises to them, like an MJF, like you're going to come here, you're going to become a star, stay with me, sign a long contract. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who I don't want to say burned, but had signed a contract where he was getting paid not a lot of money, like mm-hmm. a couple, yeah. you know, a hundred and something bucks a shot before this. Like, so to get him to sign a long-term contract, you know, it involves trust and commitment. Sure. He trusted me. And trusted that this was going to be a real thing. And now, you know, now it is. That's a guy who's going to be a TV star for a long time to come. And there's Mm -hmm. other people like that, too. And some of them, you might not realize who they are yet. But uh, others, I think people have kind of started to see that we're committed to. Like, uh, for example, uh, recently we uh, gave uh, Jungle Boy a great opportunity. And uh, he killed it. He killed it and lasted 10 minutes with the champion. And that's something. that I've always wanted to do. The story of that match is pretty cool because... Um, you had told me you like worked on that years ago. Well, was, I had that idea for, for... Yeah, that is an idea I'd had from years ago. And we were laying out things for Double or Nothing. And it was two nights before Double or Nothing. And uh, we were in the uh, hotel room and I was with the Bucks, Cody, and Kenny, and Dustin was in there. Mm-hmm. And it was unrelated. It was like, you know how like... Almost like when you, it was totally unrelated to Double or Nothing. We should have been talking about Double or Nothing, but you know how like you'll think about anything but the thing you right, need to work exactly. on. Right, <laughs> exactly. So like, it was like, you know what we should do after we get through this thing that we need to work on now that I should be talking about right now, like in the future. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Dustin, remember when you did uh, the 10 minute challenge with Ted DiBiase? You know, I was saying like, man, that's a great angle and it's been done other places. You can't last 10 minutes with me, kid. And I thought that for Chris Jericho and for Jungle Boy, for Jack, I was like, this could be a star making spot for him uh, the same way it was 30 years ago for Dustin. Right. And uh, I felt like it really helped him connect with the audience and showed people. And so we really held him back almost for a long time to where that would be. Jack, the first big thing Jack did mm-hmm. uh, that same night, Scorpio Sky, the idea that Scorpio Sky would be. I said, like, I don't know why I had all these ideas that had nothing to do with the one thing I was supposed <laughs> to be working on, double or nothing. But I said, I blurted out to the guys, too. I was like, wouldn't it, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if it was like CD and Sky when we do the tag team tournament? Start it when we get to TV and then it's CD and Sky. But CD gets knocked out. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was, uh, it was sorry. It's have it be CD and Frankie. And, and Frank. Have yeah, it be CD right. and Frankie. And so it looks like it's going to be the more experienced team of Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Have CD get knocked out uh, with a package pile driver yes. by Pentagon, which, the, which, the, which was the, the original ramp, idea. Yeah, which was insane. And uh, and then and then Sky in street clothes, who's not even supposed to be in this tournament. Well, he's going to be the last minute sub, and he'll come in. He'll win all three matches, get the pins in all three matches. And he's going to look like a real star. And then wouldn't it be cool after that if he worked with Chris Jericho and he mm-hmm. really got on the map? And literally all that stuff about Chris, you know, after we got through All Out and into TV that we would do programs with Chris and Sky and Chris and Jack. Yeah, that was like stuff in May, you know, that I really wanted to do. And, and for some reason, uh, when I was procrastinating on these details that we needed to get done on Double or Nothing, said that. And then we still got everything we wanted to do on Double or Nothing, which... 
like to me, will always be chasing because I think it's the best pay-per-view anyone's Double ever or Nothing yeah. was basically a love letter to professional yeah. wrestling. It was tremendous. It's my favorite uh, show I've ever seen. And what was really cool about it was it's, it's great to be doing this podcast with you guys. But I'm also not going to blow smoke up, you guys, that the biggest uh, thrill I've ever had in podcasting was being able uh, to go after Double or Nothing and go to Steve Austin's house mm-hmm. and spend an hour with Steve Austin. That's how you know you've made it. Just, yeah, but like, <laughs> uh, well, like we, we, we went and talked for like an hour and, and he wanted to keep the Double or Nothing stuff fresh. And so Steve and I had a good chat for an hour and talked football. And that was when I said, Steve, like, let's not talk football at all on the show. Let's just do a wrestling show. And maybe at some point, like, we can get back together and, mm-hmm. and do a football thing. And he's, I love Steve so much. I think they got Steve locked up over there. I don't know if we're ever going to get to do a football show now. Right. But, but, uh, but I'd love to do it with him someday. So, uh, you know, to have, like, you know, your hero bring you in and, and give you a chance to talk about it. Well, I, I was saying uh, to Kevin and other people afterwards and Bernie, I was like, guys, this would be like if De Niro had a film podcast, brought you to his home and talked to you for an hour and just had a great chat with you. And then when the red light goes on and you start talking about your film, you're pretty nervous because it's like, OK, well, I'm in here with, you know, in this scenario, it's like I'm in here. Say you go on Robert De Niro's film podcast. Right. And if he had one and, and he brings you on and then he tells you at the top of it, it's like, you, you know, you just directed the best new film I've seen in years. I mean, some of the stuff just really spoke to me and I loved it. And I want to talk about my favorite scenes and my favorite performances and what the actors did that I love. And I just thought it was awesome. That's not intimidating at all. Yeah. So (laughs) that was basically what happened with Steve. It's like Steve, the greatest that ever did it, you know, gives the highest possible praise Mm -hmm. in the wrestling business when Steve says this is the best show he's seen in years and then he went on and he said all positive stuff and gave me this great opportunity to talk to him and I think we taped for like two hours and and I think like an hour 36 of it Mm -hmm. the air and it was just Steve giving this really positive review to Double or Nothing and to this day like like I've said I think it's the highest praise you can get in the wrestling business Mm -hmm. when when he says that and uh, that to me was like one of the great things I've been able to do and really made me feel so good about what we'd all accomplish mm-hmm. together uh, with Double or Nothing. And to me, one of the things that, like you said, it's a love letter to professional wrestling in many ways, but I just, to me, I also think it's kind of the perfect show. And one of the things I never expected to happen was when we launched the company that John was going to be there. Yes. Because you, you mentioned all these people that were out of contract in 2019. Never did John's name occur no. to him that he would be a person who was available. Well, and he was through contract, I think, April of 2019. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of out of nowhere. And yeah. The way that they were pitching it, it kind of almost seemed like kayfabe a little bit. Because they were, they were real real nice about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas right. most of the time, it's just kind of like, okay, we're going to part ways and just leave it. So, I, I mean, none of us really knew what was going on. Right. We're talking with Tony Khan. This is AEW Unrestricted. We are talking with Tony Khan on AEW Unrestricted. Tony here, Shivani, with uh, Aubrey Edwards. What's up? Tony, you talked about a lot about... We talked about a lot of things. Uh, I want to talk everything. about you being a wrestling fan growing up. When did that first start with you? So the first time I ever saw wrestling was uh, on the A-Team. I saw Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan <laughs> was like, he wasn't in the A-Team, but he was kind of like Dustin in the Elite. Where like he's like, he's, he's like kind of with them. Buddy? He's with them. He's right. like a peripheral Moral member. Support. Moral support. Uh, yeah, and uh, he, help, he helps out. You know, he's there for them. And uh, that was uh, Hulk with A-Team, right? So, uh then I saw wrestling and I was like, oh, it's him for the A-team. That's not a character on the A-team. That's a real guy. And right. wrestling's a real thing in real life. Right. So I was probably six years old. And then when oh, I was God. seven, I got really into it. And mm-hmm. I would 
every time I'd go, I, if I couldn't get my mom, she'll almost never buy the magazines in the store, but I read pretty quickly. I always have. So I would usually get through all the wrestling magazines by the time my mom had bought the groceries. Yeah. And, wow. And, uh, and, and learn about uh, different companies that I hadn't really seen yet because the only thing I'd seen was the WWF. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was eight, started watching some WCW and had the good fortune to encounter Tony Schiavone mm-hmm. and, uh, and also had seen you on the Coliseum video and, and right. just started to learn about different wrestlers and, and who'd been different companies. And as I would run old tapes, I would see like, oh, you know, Ricky Steamboat had been in WWF and WCW, you know, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard had been in WWF and WCW. Tony Schiavone had been in WCW. Yeah, People yeah. go back and forth. You kind of start, they change names. You're starting to get, you know, six, seven years old, eight years old, start to get a feel for it. The first WCW pay-per-view I watched live was Super Bowl 91. I'd read about Ric Flair and Sting and the Steiners and Lex Luger, but I didn't really, never, I'd never watched them on a show. And other than maybe flipping by, I'd never like watch one of the pay-per-view shows. And then Super Brawl 1, I had dinner with my parents, so I missed the beginning of the show. I was taping it. I came in maybe, I don't know, an hour in, and it was Dustin Rhodes versus Terry Taylor with Dusty on commentary. Oh, right. boy. And it was like, I know Dustin and Dusty from the WWF because they had just left. They had, right. Dust, Dustin had just done the aforementioned 10-minute uh, thing with Terry Yeah, yeah, Yassi. yeah. Right. And... You know Terry Taylor. I was that was the Red Rooster. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. I knew, that's I knew right. all those guys. Right. And uh, immediately I was like, okay, this is legit. Like they're they're in uh, what was it? St. Petersburg. What was that building in St. Yeah, Petersburg? Bayfront Center. The Bayfront Center. You that's guys right. were in a nice building. Right. Look good. I was like, oh, this is good wrestling. And immediately that's and that's what I want people. You know, even if you don't know everybody here, but you've heard of them. I think there are enough people here that most wrestling fans will know that they'll want to give it a chance, and then they'll see right. the show, they'll see it looks good, and then they'll see these people they've heard of, like, well, I've never, maybe, I've, maybe I haven't seen Kenny Omega before, but you'll watch him and say, well, how Kenny Omega is pretty good, or the Young Bucks are pretty good, and uh, to me, that was like with Ric Flair and Sting and the Steiners. I've always said when Chris came in that you know I compared it to like when Hogan came to WCW, mm-hmm. and that there were again all these people that maybe like there were people that had never watched Sting before, but they'd heard of Sting. And then when Hulk came in, it's like, well, who's going to be in WCW? I've heard of this Sting. Like, oh, Sting, you know, he's pretty good. Right. And I think it brought new audience to you guys mm-hmm. in WCW. So for me, as a, as a kid, just tried to consume as much of it as possible. So then, as I got older, I would watch as much as I possibly could. And then got started using the internet in 94, 95, AOL, Prodigy, mm-hmm. these different services. And it wasn't Google yet. Now you would use Google as like a verb and you'd say I Googled something. But right, I guess right, it was right. probably Lycos or Hotbot or something like that, Yahoo maybe. And just put in, is wrestling fake or is wrestling real or whatever. <laughs> and the RSPW FAQ, like the frequently asked questions of fans, mm-hmm. came up. And it was like pretty much almost anything I would have thought of to ask and then some and all these, you know, crazy, like the Steiner brothers are actually brothers, the Beverly brothers are not. <laughs> like, right, and, right, right, right. And like right. the list of who's actually brothers, the list of you know, real names and like uh, how the idea of, you know, wrestling being a work and, and how it works and, you know, the job of a booker and all these things. And it was just a long description of for somebody that didn't know anything and to me, probably being 11 or 12 years old at the time, it was pretty eye opening. That's how yeah. I learned uh, a lot more about the business, but it all made perfect sense with, mm-hmm. with kind of the pro wrestling illustrated work narrative that I'd been given right. all these years. Sure. Right. Really fit into it. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so then started uh, following it in a totally different way, trading tapes, 
and uh, watching the different territories. Like, you know, a real passion project for me last week was being able to do what we did with Memphis Wrestling, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite territories. And I've got stacks and stacks of all the tapes of different TV shows from there over the years. And uh, we had Austin Idol come in and I told him, I was like, I failed a science exam in high school because I stayed up all night making a best of Austin Idol in 1987 tape. And it was like, probably not a good use of my time. <laughs> uh, but in hindsight, yeah, maybe it was a good use of my time because I learned a lot from those angles and those, those promos and that they were doing. But yeah, it's always been important to me. So for 25 years now, since 1995, I've been writing shows called Dynamite mm-hmm. in notebooks or in word files. Or mm-hmm. uh, Dynamite's always been the name of the show that I wanted to do, and to be able to actually do Dynamites now, it's you know, it's been on different nights of the week. There were blank night, di- blank right, right. night Dynamite, but to be able to, it has been Wednesday Night Dynamite. To actually be able to do Wednesday Night Dynamite is pretty so awesome. You've been writing shows as a hobby for 25 years. Well, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I saw Randy Hales at the show in Memphis, and it was, I guess it would have been on AOL or Prodigy. I was using both. And uh, I sent him in 1997 when he was in Memphis, but he was, you know, Jim, he was friendly and talks to Jim Cornette. And they were, they were like the, the developmental territory mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like people would go down to Memphis to USWA and then come up to the WWF roster before uh, like, you know, OVW or FCW. Mm-hmm. So I sent Randy Hales like a script for a raw in like 97. And then it's funny because I talked to him backstage and he was like, was I, was I nice to you? Or was I cool? I was like, yeah, you were very nice about it. He yeah. gave me some, he said, this is a good idea. These are good ideas. And yeah, yeah for, for 25 years, I've uh, messed with uh, writing wrestling TV and it's been a fun hobby of mine. And I was even still doing it like a, a few years ago, uh, you know, because I didn't have a lot of free time, but working in English football in the NFL, what little free time I had, I was spending it watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would uh, watch the G1 in the summer when Fulham and the Jags were off, and I love to watch the Super Junior. And well, I mean, I, you watch indies, too. I watch indies. Like, and, you actually came down to L.A. when a bunch of us were doing the, the Battle of Los Angeles show with PWG. Like, I remember getting, like, a text from you, like, hey, you know what, this thing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, you're here? Yeah. What the hell's going on? Yeah, we had a great time. It was fun, too. Was we had a good fun. Night. Those tacos were dope. Yeah, that was a good time. We went to uh, a, lucha, a lucha bar. Lucha bar. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I go to PWG, uh, I, you know, I go to Rev Pro sometimes mm-hmm. and when I'm in, in London and yeah, I, I still like to go to different shows and see different people scout, uh, get to know people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's benefited us, but absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm still a huge fan. And, uh, I think that's one of the things we have benefiting us at this company is like really everybody here, like loves wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's not like a job or someplace they don't want to be. And really you don't even have a chance to get burned out on it here because it's like it's literally one day a week. Yeah, we work one day and you can't <laughs> wait to come in. It was crazy. Uh, I look forward to Tuesdays. I like I look forward to getting on a plane and coming here. It's great. It's, it's most people don't have that where they actually really look forward to going to work. And I think that's that we've created that kind of an environment is, is pretty awesome. And uh, it makes me really happy that it's going to continue for four mm-hmm. more years now. Yes. Uh, and then some um, it was going to continue either way. I wasn't going to back down my commitment to this but if we we would have had to pivot we would have had to rethink things and now it's like everything we're doing and then some we can just move on ahead and double down you know and going into double or nothing too in uh may uh we can truly go double or nothing now right. and, and uh it's pretty awesome your, your retention for uh facts and wrestling is amazing oh my god we, we, we talk about it all the time we say he knows everything about you he knows everything about your career it, it's, right. it's it's something that i mean you're like an it's really it's a cliche but you're like an encyclopedia of 
of pro wrestling. You know, when you uh, and I were talking about you taking this job, I'm obviously super familiar with your career. Right. Uh, and uh, told you that, uh, you know, you work in baseball and you've worked with the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that the first time I saw the Braves, you know, that 91 World Series, I was <laughs> I just turned nine years old. Right. And uh, I, instead of watching Game 7 of the World Series of the Twins and the Braves, mm-hmm. who are now both great clients of uh, my analytics and engineering firm, True Media, providing them b- baseball analytics. But back then, I was excited about that Game 7, but I was way more excited about Halloween Havoc right. 91. Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone right. calling it. Yeah, yeah. Tony, I don't know if you still have that pink bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. I think I have all that stuff. And you remembered, we were sitting down, you remembered PN News and his rap. You remembered the words of the rap, right? Yeah, word up, it's Havoc. I don't think, well, it's the, I don't, we don't own this. Uh, I shouldn't uh, give don't do it. Don't yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to give PN to the, that's the property of somebody else, PN okay. News is rap. But I, I do know the whole PN News uh, rap. rap master from rap from Halloween Havoc 91 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And you rapped it for us like the, the one day in catering. I went, oh my God, he knows the words to it. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Everything. It's, that's insane. it's amazing. I love wrestling and, uh, and I've got a good, I've always been, um, I had a good head for like stats. Like I remember sports stats and, you know, whether it's like football or, you know, wrestling or, or basketball. And, uh, I love wrestling shows and it's just something I've always like filed away to memory, but sometimes it serves us well, you know, for finishes or coming up with mm-hmm. ideas. Like it was funny. Like, uh, I came up with a spot for, uh, Dustin and the Bucks from watching old Dustin and Barry Windham matches and Dustin was like, I did that. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, we did it again. Right. So, but it was like, old yeah. is new again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, a, it's just a real pleasure for me to be able to do it. Same as working for the Jaguars, but, but it's very different because, uh, you know, with the Jaguars, it's like you go into the games and frankly, a lot of the things are out of your control and the quality of your opponent uh, is one of the things that's often out of your control. And here, we're our own opponent. I mean, right. at the end of the day, you know, people talk about, like, you're in a wrestling war or whatever. We just have to do the best show we can do. It's never been a war. We've always said that. Yeah. We're an it. alternative. We have to, we're competing with ourselves to do the best shows we can. And when we haven't done stuff that made sense or wasn't our best work, we've had to refocus and say, like, okay, here's why that didn't work and never do that again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, if we just keep focusing on that i mean tony you've been in, in a real wrestling war Yo, and, boy. You, and you've seen what you do want to do and you don't want to right. do and i don't think you want to make panic reactionary moves no. or do you want to get away from what works for you right. and uh that's why you know we do things differently there's some things in wrestling that i've just never believed in and out of context like the idea that you know if we were having this conversation we're having right now but like it's like if you and I were having a cup of coffee in the hallway, it's one thing. But if we're having it on camera and we're acting like it's just us having a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. not like that isn't on camera, it feels very forced and unnatural to me. And that's mm-hmm. what I call the invisible camera. Right. I, you you don't mind the guys looking in the camera for promos. Well, it's a promo. You're like we're looking into the camera. We're literally talking to, literally home, like... talking to people at home. Talking to people home. What bothers me <laughs> is if if, uh, if you don't acknowledge it, you're unaware of it, and it's like if you're hatching a plan, and then later in the show, people like. You were on camera hatching a plan, and people aren't supposed to know about it. it right. It's like, no, we were all watching the show. Yeah. <laughs> we were all in the back, dude. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I, I, I do want to try and maintain that, like, kind of continuity to the show. I think it's, I think it'll serve us well. And then if we ever haven't done it, you know, certainly I've wanted to get back towards it. But, yeah, uh, you know, when you, when you ask about, like, retaining, like, wrestling facts and, and figures and stuff, I just think, like, uh, really, like, we, we have a great chance here 
because there's so many people that love these old wrestling shows like we talk about. And people come up to me all the time and tell me, like, uh, you know, I used to watch every week. And they have a great memory for things. And they can tell me things they watched 20 years ago, but they haven't watched it in 20 years. Right. So, like, sure. so you know people care about it. And I feel like if we're reaching these people, what's really interesting to me is we hit this younger demographic. And we're hitting a younger demographic than other wrestling television shows. Yet we've hit lapsed fans. How is that possible? Yeah. Because there were people that were watching Nitro as kids that gave up on wrestling. Th- that's mm-hmm. right. And yep. and they're still young. And they're you we're know, all still young at heart. Well, we're all still young yeah, at but, heart. But, but yeah, I mean, they're still like in their thirties. Yeah, right. right. Well, they're still years. in their like thirties right. and still in that young demographic. Right. And uh, I think that's really helped us and advertisers see that that we brought people back to the wrestling business because I think when people thought I was talking about the lapsed fan, they assume that's going to mean. Older people. 50 plus. Yeah. No, and there are. That's too. Millennials. We, we definitely have brought in some 50 plus fans too. And that's great. But I think um, advertisers were excited about us hitting this young demographic. And it's like some of these people used to watch wrestling. Like so many people have told me like, oh, man, like, you know, I used to watch Nitro and I haven't watched it in a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely, you know, TNT, uh, they, they must have been really happy with it for us to get this extension. Well, I, I think it's great. We got an extension and you mentioned we're going to. Uh, be developing another show as well and uh, I just uh, we're, we're, we're out of time but uh, we could probably talk for we hours. could talk forever but forever one ever. thing I wanted to say is this is a great place to work because you know how to treat people Absolutely. And you really do and, 100% and, agree and and, um, and that's really important I've worked in places where they didn't know how to but you know and that's what makes it fun here so thank you for that I appreciate that man uh, I just want this to be a place where you know people like the two of you whose work I respect. And I think like both of you are the best in the business at what you do. And I don't mean podcasting. You're good. You're both good podcasters, but I mean, you're, you're we'll get better job. at that. We'll get but, better uh, at that. You know, at, at, <laughs> and refereeing and, and hosting a wrestling television show, there's nobody better than, than you two. And I love working with both of you. And, and as much as anyone else, I'm excited for both of you that I get to keep working with you for four years and that you get to keep doing what I know you both love for four years. You know, Tony, when I talk to you about coming back here, we talked about how I mentioned I'd heard you say on podcasts and I wanted to know if it was true that, you know, you regretted 30 years ago leaving the WWF. Yes. Yeah. And you went back and you went back to WCW and you, you said, what have I done? Why have I left? And I'd like to think now you don't regret it anymore because you're here. And like, right. uh, I'd like to think you'd rather be here than stay. It all yeah. worked out. Yeah, it all it all, you're out. right. It all worked out. The, the road leads here. So there's no more regrets. No more regrets. Regret, they wouldn't take you back. No. <laughs> No more regrets at all. That's great. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. All right. Don't forget, you can subscribe to AEW Unrestricted for free wherever you get your podcast, and tune in Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock Central on TNT, which has been extended for four years. Four more years. years. Okay. I'm Tony Schiavone. I'm Aubrey Edwards. Thanks for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Unrestricted.